I couldn't fit Steve on it. King Steve, it was supposed to say. But I ran out of ink, so it's King Me. Great to see everyone. Let me welcome uh, you, well, add my welcome to that of Mike's. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Our loving Father, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus, and we thank you that he teaches us, and Lord, by your spirit, we pray now that you'll be teaching our hearts, exciting us, and convicting us, and sending us, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Happy Christmas, or is it? Um, This passage has things within it that aren't very Christmassy. A furious king seeking to destroy Jesus. Hang on, well maybe that is quite Christmassy, because Christmas is all about Jesus, and Jesus divides. Later on in this book of Matthew, Jesus himself said, I have come to set man against the father, daughter against her mother, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Jesus brings division today and back in Jesus' day. People are either drawn to him or repelled by him, and they want him gone. So either you love Jesus or you hate him. You push him away or you run to him. There's no in-between. So here we have the story of two kings. Actually, as Steve quite rightly pointed out on Christmas Day, um, many think there were three kings. Uh, but we don't know how many there were. Um, and they weren't uh, three, they weren't kings, were they? They were wise men, travelers from the east, people of great wealth and great learning. And they discovered from the scriptures that a king, God's king no less, will be born, and God had led them to the very spot where he was going to be born. So no, not kings, wise men, and we don't know how many there were. However, here in our passage, we do have two kings. On the one hand, we have uh, King Herod, And Mike, I've lost my clicker, so if you want to put on the next slide. Um, On the one hand, we have King Herod, and on the other, we have, well, the one that the wise men came looking for, King Jesus. And this morning, we're going to briefly look at both kings and see that in our lives, there are only two ways to live, the life of King Jesus or the life of King Herod. And we're going to look at the King Herod first. Here is King Herod. He hates Jesus. It's very sad. He hates him and he wants him dead. And it all comes about because these wise men have turned up from hundreds of miles away looking for him. And they must have caused quite a stir because we read that the whole of Jerusalem was stirred. They'd studied the scriptures. They were looking for God's promised king. And here they are. And they come to Herod. Where's this king? And Herod is worried which means Jerusalem is worried because they know what kind of person Herod is. And the fact that Herod grabs the religious leaders to confirm that God's king, yes, is supposed to be born in Bethlehem, well, it shows that they're taking the Magi seriously. These wise men are being taken seriously. And Herod is full of fear. He's the king, and there's no room for another king. 
can I say that's our greatest problem? That whether we're a Christian, a follower of the Lord Jesus, or whether we're not, um, we want to be the king of our lives, and we don't want someone else coming along and telling us what to do. And you know that, don't you? When someone starts telling you what to do, you bristle. You don't like it. I want to be king, and when I'm king, there's no room for another. So Herod uses the Magi, these wise men, to find out where the king is. And come and bring me the news, he says to them. And off they go. But look, verse 12, which comes just before our reading, after the wise men had seen the boy Jesus, who was about 18 months old, God warns them uh, not to go back and tell Herod where he is. And they return by a different route. So Herod's there waiting for the news from the wise men. He waits and he waits and he waits and he taps his sundial. Where are these wise men? It's just a little pictorial joke there. Just His tablet. Anyway. Um, where are these wise men? And they haven't come back and the king is furious. He knows he's been tricked. Now he won't be able to find the boy Jesus, and he won't be able to kill him. So he sends his soldiers to get rid of all the boys in that area of a similar age, just to be sure that he gets rid of this supposed king. There will be no other king but me, says Herod. He will do anything to get rid of Jesus. And along the way, he does so and causes great suffering, doesn't he? It's great pain. And it wasn't unlike the Pharaoh who wanted to kill off Israel by removing their children. The population at the time would not have been so big, so perhaps we're looking at something like 15 baby or toddlers, under twos. But his behavior is really not that unusual. Uh, There is much evil in the world much evil among leadership in the world that even threatens children. Which is why we need a perfect leader, a perfect king, someone from God to come and lead us perfectly and bring justice to the wrong that's been done. And this Christmas we've been reminded, haven't we, that we have been sent this perfect ruler. Isaiah chapter 9 was one that we've been reading. It says... Jesus is a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. I was reading a book last week that reminded me again that Jesus' suffering did not begin at Easter, but it began at Christmas when he was born into suffering, when he was born into rejection, right from the off there after him beginning in a stable and being threatened at such a young age. But that was always God's plan. Jesus came to suffer in order to be our wonderful counselor, in order to be our mighty God, our everlasting Father, our Prince of Peace. He came to suffer so that he would finally remove all evil, all those evil leaders, and be our king forever. And that's why Herod hates him. 
But as I've mentioned, it's not just Herod who wants to get rid of Jesus. If you read on in Matthew, the rejection, well, it comes from the religious leaders, from the Pharisees, from the teachers of the law, from the people of Israel, from the Romans. They all want him gone. And Matthew is showing us here that right from the start, this is the case. You either run away from Jesus or run towards him. There is no sitting on the fence. You can't be whatever about Jesus. Not bothered. He seems like a nice person. That's not the option. You can't remain undecided. You're either for Jesus or against him. And reasons to be against Jesus are similar to that of Herod's. We don't want a ruler over us. We want to be on the throne, and we don't want Jesus telling us how to live, because he does. He has wonderful, beautiful rules for us to obey, and he knows what's best for us. But sometimes we think we know what's best, and of course we know the word, it's sin. But Jesus came to stop the Herods of the world, and to stop me from causing evil and suffering and hurting and spoiling things. And you too. And if you read through Matthew, and you see all the bits of the Old Testament that Matthew keeps using again and again, he quotes it to show us that Jesus is God's rescuing king. You also learn that this king will rule beautifully, that he will rule lovingly. And we see wonderful pictures of that all over the Bible, this good shepherd who longs to take care of us as his sheep who knows the very best places for us, the green pasture, the bubbling, the non-bubbling water. Beautiful saviour, beautiful king. But also we learn that Jesus is ruler of all things, from sea to sea, ocean to ocean, and he cannot be stopped. We cannot stop his rule. It is now and forever rule. And so, as I said a week ago, we need to think very carefully about how we treat Jesus, how we respond to him as our king. And I can see this is accurate. I have been a Herod, and to a certain extent, I still am. I see flashes of it all the time in my heart. I want to rule. I want Jesus out of the picture when it suits me because I want to do what I want on this particular occasion, because I want to carry on doing this or that just when it suits me. Or when I do something, I, I blame it on something else. It's not my fault, it's tiredness or, or um, uh, someone else hurting me in some way. Sometimes I might see some error of God himself, perhaps saying to myself, well, that is not really what God meant when he said that was wrong. Or, how can I help it if God allowed this certain thing to happen to me? Well, of course I'm going to react in that way. Actually, this is the sin of Adam and Eve, isn't it? God, he doesn't really know. I know, and I'm going to ignore his rule. So that's one way to live. Like the first king, King Herod. Now let's look at the second king. Wonderfully, King Jesus. 
He's God's rescuing king. He's come to put an end to our Herod-like tendencies. And if our Christmas teaches anything, we cannot do that ourselves. We can't get rid of the Herod in us. We are slaves to sin. But God can do it. So King Jesus ends our slavery to sin. Now once upon a time, God's chosen people, they ended up in Egypt. Do you remember that? Under a cruel king called Pharaoh. Remember him? We learned about him maybe a year, year or two ago. And he squashed Israel. He hurt them. He made them his slaves. And they cried out to God for rescue. And when God heard their cries, he came and rescued them. Out of Egypt I called my son, says the Lord. Israel were his son, his child. And the Lord brings them out of slavery in Egypt and makes a covenant, a promise of love with them at Mount Sinai. He will be their God. They will be his people. A binding promise to love them and love them and love them. But tragically, the people, well, they ignored God. They started to push God away. And they returned to the Herod-like tendencies and lived as though God wasn't there. And that meant they just wanted rid of him. And so after many, many warnings, God punished them. And he sent a powerful nation, the Assyrians, against them to defeat them and take many away to the land and away from God, from the land and away from God. Which is what our sin does, doesn't it? It, it separates us from the Lord God who made us. But nevertheless, at that time, through his prophet Hosea, God promises his continued faithfulness to his people despite their sin, that one day through King David's descendant, his great, 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 14 times grandson, and now here, verse 13, as Joseph listens to the Lord and Herod's plans, he obediently takes his child, this, this child Jesus and his mother, to Egypt, away and escaping. And later in verse 15, when it's safer, Jesus will come back out of Egypt. I have called my son. So here Matthew is teaching us that God faithfully, as he faithfully rescued Egypt, his people, uh, his people out of Egypt, he sent a perfect ruler to rescue us from slavery of sin and be king forever. A king who will make a new covenant of love a binding promise to us, to love us, to love us, to love us. If you had just come and bow the knee to this king, just like those wise men we heard about on Christmas Day. So Jesus ends our slavery to sin, King Jesus. But also, King Jesus ends our exile from God. It's a funny word, isn't it? When God's people Israel as a nation behaved like Herod, they were sent far away, which is called exile. 
And we see that word in Matthew chapter 1 as well. Far away from the promised land. And it felt far away from God. And that's what happens, isn't it? As I said, as we treat God like that. We push him away. As though Jesus were dead. We make him enemy of Jesus. Well, God, though we were far away, God sent his son to bring us home, to bring us back out of exile, to end the exile. And we learn more about this rescue, even in the horror of Herod's horrible destruction of the male children in their region. When he discovers he's been tricked, and Matthew sees a link with the Old Testament, in verse 18 he quotes the prophet Isaiah. God's messenger, because he sees that the weeping of the parents in Bethlehem with Rama links with that of Israel's children who suffered from the exile. In Jeremiah's day, the superpower Babylon would remove the people out of Israel and take them far, far away to Babylon. And Rachel, see the name in the Bible, the name of the, this collective name of all the mothers of Israel. Um, weeping loudly. Uh, and Rama is on the exit passage, if you like, from, from Israel, out of Israel, towards Babylon. Out of Rama, all this weeping and wailing. And they wept loudly. But this quote from Jeremiah also sees hope. In Herod's day, this evil king wishes to exile, to get rid of Jesus and send him far, far away. He's a representative of the nation. Off he goes. But Herod's going to fail. This is God's plan to rescue his people from exile. Jesus, his son, would one day be exiled on the cross to be separated from his father so that we may be brought near. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Well, Jesus is abandoned so that we may never be. Jesus is sent to bring our exile from God to an end. King Jesus, our saviour and our hope, our only hope, born in Bethlehem to us. So in 2021, which king will you serve? Will you keep going the way of Herod, serving yourself? And we know where that leads. Or will we resolve to go the way of Jesus and make him our king? King over every part of our lives. And I'm going to get it wrong. You're going to get it wrong doing that. Um, We'll mess up. We'll see those flashes of Herod in us uh, week in, week out, day in, day out. But in Jesus, sin comes to an end. He comes and helps us and works in our hearts to change us, to become more and more um, people who bow the knee at his kingship, which fills us with great joy because the exile of God, from God is over. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. Are you with him? Let's pray together as we sit. Our loving God, we thank you so much that Jesus ended the exile for us. Father, thank you that he is our saviour from sin. 
and he is our king forever to rule over us wonderfully and lovingly. Lord, may we be like those wise men, as Steve reminded us of yes, two days ago, that we'd be wise and bow the knee and call out Saviour and Lord. Lord, thank you for Jesus. And thank you for reminding us of these truths this morning. Fill us with great joy as we serve you, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen.